0: Hi everyone I'm Annika and I'm Patrizia and welcome to our podcast Campus Conversations where we dive into the heart of campus life and chat with students and faculty members about their experiences insights and perspectives on the issues that matter most to them. Today we have a special episode where we actually don't have a guest with us. Instead
1: we are only going to interview each other for once. This is because we came up with the idea for today's episode through a conversation we had with a mutual friend a few weeks ago. We were talking about how they mentioned that they had an awkward moment where they had to explain what they do for a living to their uncle. And it got me thinking that it seems very oddly familiar. I believe we all had that experience, at least Annie and I, where we're at the birthday party and a family member asked us the famous question, listen, what do you actually do and what do you do after you finish with your studies? Well, I had the situation where I told them I study communication science. And I got the stereotypical response of, oh, so you're going to make brushes and pretty websites. Not quite, Uncle Tom. This is actually only a very small portion of what a communication professional can even do in working a whole other job. So today we want to answer this question so we can use it all at the next family gathering.
0: We did some fieldwork where we were able to visit companies and listen to presentations where they explained what, how and why they work. Additionally, we conducted interviews with two communication science alumni each to gain some insights into how the career after the studies at the UT could look like. Based on the information we got from the company visits and interviews, we kind of got an understanding of what skills are needed for the future job field and we assessed to what extent we possess these skills. To get a broader perspective on that, we also asked people close to us to evaluate our skills and compared that to our own perceptions. All of this helped us find out what we want to do after our Bachelor's in Communication Science and how the study helps us achieve that. So this is what we're going to talk about today.
1: I actually think that we both have quite similar views on our future job fields because we talked about our results after this experience last week preparing for this podcast episode, and found that we both liked working in a marketing team the most. I don't know if I told you, but I've actually quite recently done a marketing internship in a retail agency. Oh, really? What did you do there? Um, I mainly had to do a lot of brainstorming, to be honest, (laughs) especially in the beginning. It was a lot of figuring out what I want to do for which tasks. The CEO did tell me what he wanted me to achieve mainly, and then I had to come up with ideas to how to achieve them. That is similar to what the interviews with the alumnus also told me. You get a task and then you have to come up with a solution and ways on how and what to do to reach the desired results. For me, it was informing the employees of the current clients they had, which actually were a lot. I decided on a short video format since I knew that the company did content for the clients and people often do not have much free time during the workday. So I tried to keep the messages quite short which was also a wish that was expressed by the CEO. I found it quite interesting, but I think I would have been bored if it only came to internal communication. During the alumni interviews, I got to know what marketing professionals, or people working in marketing at least, do for external communication, which seemed to me, at least, a bit more appealing. There's also a lot more variety. Melanie Hallam is a UX writer that mainly does text for a scooter app she works on, but also writes text for social media, which is more of a task going into marketing, right? Because you do so many different tasks in this profession, prioritization was named as one of the tasks that is very important as a skill to possess. She said she, as in my experience as well, gets handed a problem and has to figure out a way to solve it. Robin Quackman, another alumni that I was interviewing, also said that he gets told what they want to achieve he figures out the means the format to reach this outcome so maybe we want to listen to him explain
2: yeah well that depends a little bit uh from project to project i guess well most mm-hmm. of the time what, what i like best in my uh um all the jobs i had was were when you were giving like a sort of um guidelines for a project, sort of goals (laughs) to work towards, but then also quite a lot of freedom to get there. And especially working with creatives in the marketing communication uh, uh, area, it's really nice to have like a manager that really stimulates thinking out of the box and uh, figuring stuff out and trying different things.
0: You always hear of what tasks they perform, but why do they do them? Does it have some kind of important outcome?
1: Um, How I got it was that mostly the benefits are both short and long-term goals of the company. Hallam explained that a text in the app, for example, helps the user instantly, While working on a solution, for example, a parking problem in the system they had, creates a lot of possibility and helps them in the long term. She explained one of her current tasks, which is also having a long-term effect, is that they need to translate their app into a new language. And she noticed that the glossary that they were using is outdated. And in order to have that unified, she's taken up on the task of updating it herself. What really mesmerized me was that you can find a way to help people and simultaneously benefit your company. Robin talked about a project he worked on where they told the stories of their patients in a hospital. And I'm a really highly empathetic person, which was also my strongest skill evaluated in the q sorting that we conducted. Um, So that really motivated me to kind of be happy to be able to work in such a job. So maybe we can listen to him explain so you can get a better idea. Sure. One
2: of the things I I really remember fondly is um, an interview I had with a lady, I guess she was almost 60 years, and she reflected on having cancer, and we shot a video with her in in, in a series. I guess we did 10 videos and and her story was about having chronically um, cancer, so to say. So she had it for almost 30 years and she initially thought that she was going to die when it was first diagnosed. But later it turned out that, well, the treatments were going quite well and she uh, could become old with uh, cancer. And she reflected on that process and she wanted to sort of tell a story to other people that, yes, even a very um, heavy disease like cancer is something you can definitely figure out a way to live with that.
1: So as you can hear, that is quite a wonderful story, isn't it? But what is your take on it? What did you hear and what excites you about the jobs? So I actually also did an
0: internship before starting my studies at a PR agency where I had to do a lot of market research and copywriting for different clients. I really enjoyed the work I did there, but I wasn't entirely sure in what direction I would go from there, which is why I thought the communication science study would help me find my focus.
1: And in hindsight, do you think it
0: helped? Yeah, since we were introduced to so many different career paths in the modules, I found out that I enjoyed marketing more than PR. Because it is more about trying to sell products or services, which involves lots of different tasks, instead of just focusing on the image of the company. And during my fieldwork now, I was able to talk to two marketing professionals, who explained to me that what they do contains a lot of relationship building with their clients. They said that this is crucial to be able to know exactly what they want to achieve, so you can figure out how to aid them in achieving it. This is kind of similar to what you found out in the interviews on how marketing professionals do their job. For me, especially international marketing was really appealing because you can work together with many people from different countries and get to experience other cultures. Two of the skills that are important in this kind of work are cultural sensitivity and being empathetic, which are skills that I do already have to some extent. However, I also noticed that tasks in marketing do really seem to differ depending on what level of position you are in. Menno, one of the communication science alumni that I interviewed, mentioned that now that he works as a marketing team lead manager, he is not actively involved in hands-on work anymore. Now, he mainly coordinates and manages the marketing team to make sure that they are doing the work accordingly, which is not something that I am super interested in doing. I want to be more involved in the content creation process myself, which is something that else, the other alumni that I interviewed, mentioned is something that she does a lot, since she has her own marketing company. So for me, maybe a combination of both would be nice. One thing I've noticed during my alumni interviews is that even though someone's official job definition might be marketing, they also do lots of other things that might not fall completely under that topic. For example, one alumni I talked to has their own marketing firm, but often when they are hired by a client, they end up also doing things like project management or budgeting for them. Let's listen to her explain.
2: It's really mixed together. Um, In the beginning, I started only with the marketing part. And after two years or something, um, I felt like, oh, yeah, if I'm only doing marketing assignments, it's kind of superficial or something as well. And I really like the project side of the planning, the budget. I'm always having some kind of overview over the projects, and I'm really annoyed if somebody hasn't. Uh, (laughs) So I thought, okay, if the group doesn't have it and I have, then maybe I just need to focus a bit more on that as well. Um, and it makes me a little bit broader as well, because I like the marketing part, but I like, I'm like i kind of a generalist as
0: well. It seems like as a communication professional, you can be really flexible in your job. Did you also have any experiences during your field work that related to this?
1: Yes, I totally agree. When talking to Harlem, she even mentioned that she started in marketing solely, but started to performing tasks such as copywriting as well and used it as kind of a stepping stone to move to UX writing, which she's doing now. She still performs tasks for marketing from time to time, as I mentioned earlier, even though she now works as more of a designer in a team. In my internship as well, there was a salesperson helping out the marketing team, since it consisted of one person, and he knew one topic the best, so naturally, he would be able to communicate it the best. It kind of fits with the lecture we had on different dimensions of communication professionals, right?
0: Yes, you're right. In one of our module's lectures, we were introduced to the concept of liminality and navigating being a liminal professional, which kind of reflects that flexibility.
1: Wait, before we continue, could you maybe explain what liminality is for our listeners? Sure, liminality in the context of job professions means the state of being
0: in between fixed roles. Basically, it describes positions where you do not have a fixed set of tasks, but rather have to constantly adapt to fit the environment. Being in more of a liminal position consists of more complexity than performing only a predefined role, which, as we know, organizations in the world are increasingly getting more complicated. Reflecting on 21st century skills, it really represents the importance of flexibility and adaptation to changing environments.
1: On this note, actually, um, talking about changing environments, did you also experience the companies and the alumni talking a lot about ChatGPT? I think it was a common theme that people are looking at technology and how it's going to change the way we work today.
0: Really? They did talk about it, but it was more apparent to me that there is not a high demand or importance of adapting to them quickly. For example, the alumni that I interviewed who works in international marketing specifically mentioned that technology, or more specifically keeping up to date with technology, is not that important in his profession. Let me just play you what he said about this.
3: good side of working in higher education is that uh, we are typically not if i may be so frank uh, at the forefront of uh, these kind of implementing all of these technologies we do of course a lot of stuff is developed in universities but higher education marketing is really about relationship building it's not really about uh, pushing as much products to your next market or getting all your kpis like most universities in Netherlands don't recruit for numbers. They recruit for either quality or diversity. And it all goes very slowly compared to like the, the, the commercial sector. Uh, the downside is, is that yeah, these kind of things, like ChatGPT, don't, don't really impact my daily life. So I don't have to know that much about it. But as a marketing professional, obviously, I'm super curious about it. So in my free time, I check it out. But for, my, for me specifically, technology is actually not that big of an issue.
0: As you just heard, especially in universities, technology seems to be implemented quite slowly. I think we can all relate to this if we think about the online lectures in the last few years.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you, Corona, for the sell of a ride.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And if we're talking about ChatGPT in specific, I do remember that at the company visit to AdWise, they mentioned that they use it a lot for idea generation and stuff like that. One example they used was that they used ChatGPT to come up with ideas for a marketing strategy by asking the chatbot, come up with marketing strategies for a small company to enter into the competitive market. They showed the results to the client and they were actually super impressed, because at the moment a lot of companies don't understand how language AI works yet, This means that they just think that it's cool that you can work with such new technology and do not understand that it actually makes work easier for you instead of harder. Did any of your interviewees or companies you visited mention something
1: like that? Uh, Yes, I agree. You have to know how to use these technologies in order to benefit from them. Almost every visit I had did in some way kind of mention technology. I mean, we had a whole module dedicated to the importance of technology as well. I mean, I want to us, which basically creates technology themselves to increase protection of countries or a skills that create a P3 passenger, which is an online service for customers. On an even minor scale, if you look at social media, they are a very important platform where customer engagement and communication takes place. So even if we look at the adoption of technology and it's very slow, we do not necessarily have to stress about them. But I do have the understanding that it is important to adapt to them either way. You benefit from an early adoption. As Robin, for example, explained, he felt that they were kind of pioneering with the rising of social media. Let's have a look at that.
2: Uh, Figuring out uh, how to use... Social media, because it was quite new back in 2010, 11, uh, and especially advertising via social media. Um, Our target group was very, uh, well, mostly younger people, like ranging from, let's say, 15 till approximately 30-ish. And they were very active on Facebook back then, so we felt like we were really pioneering in that sense.
1: Uh, I feel like there are always some kind of contradictions present. I remember I had one company visit and an alumni interview about skills, which left me quite confused in the beginning before I started thinking about them more deeply. While one of skills employees during the presentation mentioned that they view soft skills as being most important when it comes to hiring specifically, and that they believe that everything else can be acquired as knowledge. One of the alumni mentioned that hard skills, such as video editing, are really important to already possess. That is because they create this sort of irreplaceability and importance of an employee. He had one example specifically of one employee that was kind of favorized almost because he was very good at drawing. Do you have a take on that as well?
0: I do, actually. It's a little different than what you mentioned, but I think it matches the topic of contradictions as well. One thing that I always wanted to address in my alumni interviews was how important flexibility is in the workplace as a marketeer, especially when you work with many different clients. Both alumni did say that flexibility and adaptability are important, but one also mentioned that it is possible to compensate for a lack of flexibility with a lot of structure and organizing. This seems to be a big contradiction at first, but if you look at it more closely, it does make sense. If you can work really organized and manage yourself and your time efficiently, you do not have to be as flexible, because you have scheduled different clients and can try to plan in advance how you will have to adapt to them. I feel like adopting another perspective on a skill like this can be really beneficial, because it takes some pressure out of you if you
1: think you lack in one skill a little bit. Maybe you can just compensate for it with one of your stronger skills exactly what I took from it as well. The contradiction became a bit clearer thinking of the comment as more of an addition. Hard skills are always good if you can already bring them, but you can also build them over time. So with the necessary soft skills to make the process work, you can acquire knowledge easier. On that note, being conscious that we've talked a lot today, what can we learn from today? Well, firstly, you do not have to know everything. When you start your first job, no one expects you to have all the knowledge or to perfectly know how to execute all the tasks that you're given. At one of the company visits, they actually told us it's okay to take your time with tasks or just tell someone you will get back to them in a little bit after reading into the topic or something like that. You do not have to know and have all the answers to everything right away. Moreover, you're not alone in the boat. So you will always have your teammates or other colleagues to turn to if you need to. One of the alumni actually phrased it quite well. So let me show you.
2: We had all these expertise on board in one team. We had one clear goal as a team uh, and everyone respected their own expertise and really uh, respected that of their colleagues. So we sort of helped each other reach different heights. Uh, And for a lot of us in that team, it was um, one of the first jobs after their study time. So, yeah, in the end, that felt like I was very lucky to work with young professionals, um, figuring out how that stuff works and doing that
0: together. Secondly, don't be afraid. Everyone has their own path. Looking at it in hindsight, we had pretty different interviews. Two of them had started in marketing and stayed working there, while the others had a bunch of different job positions over the course of time. So there is really no right or wrong. You should do whatever feels right for you. You can stay in your job if you like it, but you can also easily try and make the effort to change to a different field if you feel like you want to change.
1: We hope you enjoyed today's episode and that it might help you finding out what you want to do in the future as well. At least now you will know to explain to your family members what you do after completing your study and becoming a real communication scientist. So no more room for the stereotype of only being able to create pretty brochures and websites. Make sure to like and share our podcast if you enjoyed today's episode and tune in next week for another episode of Campus Conversations.